or head, foreshortened, viewed from below. Alongside this, as if arranged on a gallery wall, is a second drawing, this one pinned to a cork board. Again, the model is naked, but the style is different, looser, almost abstract. Charles crosses the room, picks them up and holds them at arm's length, one in each hand, before sliding them under the bed. He is kneeling now, as if in childish prayer. Anselm. Yes? Their faces are close. Though Charles's hair is dark brown and cropped short at the back and sides, they could be brothers. Both have the lean bodies of athletes. Their mouths are sulky and full, and their jaws could have been carved from the same block of marble. When Anselm turns away, Charles turns as well, and rests the back of his head on the mattress so that he can stare at the ghosts of cigarette smoke above him. "'Will they let you finish your degree?' he says in a voice he had hoped would come out warm and nonchalant, but which makes him sound as stiff as an announcer on the Empire service. Anselm drags on his cigarette before answering, making the tobacco crackle into the silence. How would that work, exactly? Do you suppose they say, here are your call-up papers, report for duty immediately, or in a year's time, if that is more convenient? There is more than a trace of German in his sarcasm. Dancing languidly on the cracked ceiling are colours from the electric hoardings outside. No one is sure when, but it is expected they will be turned off soon, until further notice when the blackout comes into force, when the billboards finally declare war on behalf of an ungrateful nation. You could just stay, Charles says. And spend the war in an internment camp on the Isle of Man? (laughs) No, thank you. He pronounces the TH of thank as a Z. Charles, for reasons he cannot explain, finds this pronunciation erotic. He stands, crosses the room to the sink, and pulls the plug. As the soap-clouded water gurgles away, he wets a flannel under the cold tap. The night air is close and sticky, as if the heat stored in the Tarmacadam roads outside is creeping up through the foundations of the building, melting it from the inside out. Had he been hoping that by closing the balcony door he would make the room feel cooler? It has had the opposite effect— He drapes the cold flannel across the back of his neck and cups his hands under the still-running tap. He splashes his face, takes several gulps of water, and squeezes the material so that cold water trickles down his back. Should they have the conversation now? More Dutch courage is needed. Well, Irish. Single grain is his preference, with an equal measure of room-temperature water. He pours, takes a slug, and swirls the amber liquid around in the tumbler. For a dead man, he reflects, he drinks an impressive amount. Some might say too much. But what the hell? Prost! He empties the glass and lets the alcohol burn for a moment on the back of his tongue before swallowing. Now? Charles tilts his head back. As well as smoke, there is condensation on the ceiling— on the mirror, too. He wipes it, stares at his reflection for a moment, then returns to his position by the unmade bed. Come and work for us, he says, 
holding the flannel to his forehead. My father was a diplomat. I know some people in the foreign office. You're assuming I'm on your side, Anselm says. You're no Nazi. I'm a German. I believe in Holy Germany. I believe in the Volk and in the Weltenschrank. You like the uniforms. That's not the same thing. Anselm flicks Charles's ear. Someone is jealous. Well, it's true, isn't it? There is more to the Wehrmacht than fine tailoring. A grin. There's also the choreography. Haven't you seen Triumph of Seville? Anselm places four fingers vertically across his mouth. The Englishman is laughing now, two aesthetes together, knowing, ironic. When his laughter subsides, he stubs out his cigarette, turns once more, and, with a thumb, traces the arc of his friend's mouth as he wipes away some tiny beads of sweat.